At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through our series, Divided, Seeking Unity in a Fractured World, we're coming face-to-face with the division that seems to define the culture of our nation, our communities, and even our churches. Join us as we turn to 1 Corinthians to discover the unifying power of a people who follow Christ. All right, everyone, grab a seat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How are we doing this morning? We feeling okay? We doing good? Yes. Wow. Okay. I am so grateful to be here this morning, to be good. I survived camping this weekend. Yes. I survived camping. I was way out in the great land of Howell, Michigan. And I did this thing where you, you stand on essentially a surfboard and you paddle, right? Does anyone know what that is? Yeah, my core workout uh, hasn't been worked too often lately, so here I am, and I'm like, oh, I turned this morning, I'm like, what is that soreness I have? It's like that muscle has been sitting dormant for a little bit, partly because it's your fault, the meals I've had with you, the meals that have, that have you know, I've, I've so gladly um, blessed you by eating most of your food in double portions as well. Uh, the favor has been upon me to a thousand generations, so here we am. Here we are. Okay, so with that being said, i got to admit something this morning, uh, something that I would call a pet peeve, all right? I don't really like that word pet peeve because it doesn't have the fierceness that, that, that I have towards this. It's more just something that, that I just, when I see it, I'm like, man, this is, this is not right. So, so here's the thing. We live in a social media world, okay? We live in this world. Most of us have social media of some kind. Uh, actually, show of hands, how many people have some kind of form of social media? Whether it's, I mean, I would say even LinkedIn counts because you're connecting socially, all right? So, so in today's world, in, in the social media realm, People can depict themselves however they would like, right? People can, can show an image uh, of whatever likeness that they want, and they can show the world what they think they want to be or, or what they think they are. And when you spend time with some of those people, you, you realize that their highlight reels are very different than their actual life. Am I alone in this? Right? That, that we can paint this picture that is completely different from the day-to-day lives that we live. And, and social media is one of those things that uh, it might appear that we are a perfect family. We have a perfect house, a perfect life. Uh, but no one's life, I don't care who you are, including me, and I posted something last night. Uh, No one has a life like their Instagram or Facebook feeds, (laughs) right? You're seeing one's highlight reel, not their real life. And over my years as a pastor, it it is often when when I meet with an individual, and I I don't know their story, but I do know a little about them casually, or maybe I, I see some things they post. Usually, it could be more, it couldn't be further from the truth. And what they're battling, things are just sideways in their home. 
And I think with this, it's hard for us to say, okay, well, they didn't have like camelgram, you know, or, or, or snap, you know, snap camelgram, whatever. They didn't have this stuff. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Snapchat. They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have Facebook. These weren't things that, that they battled like the Apostle Paul, like, oh, I got to post this baptism ceremony that happened at the church of Corinth. Like, I need to get this. Let's go live and do a selfie with, like, Aquila and Priscilla in the background. Th those things weren't happening, right? And, and so uh, I think with us, it's easy to say, man, well, people in the Bible, they don't battle what we battle. You know, they live in a different world, a more simple world. When the truth is, when we look at the word that that we see, what we see, is they battled the same things. Maybe not on a social device, but they battled in their hearts portraying a facade. Painting a picture of what they thought people wanted to see or needed to see, but, but it wasn't true. And what seemed actually good, or, or what seemed very good... The, the truth was, was actually very, very different. And so I think about in, in this letter and what we've been talking about to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians, we see that Paul was battling this with that church. There was no shortage of, of, of drama here where you had this unique culture with uh, maybe up to a third of the city were slaves, and then you had your extremely wealthy, and then you had some of the Jews that had lived in that city. It was just the diversity was unreal, and, and what they were battling wasn't too different from what, what we battle today. So our world, as we've been discussing our world is divided, and that's not breaking news to anyone. Like, oh, what? We're, we're breaking, we're, we're falling, we're, we're, we're fractured. No, we get that. We understand that. So the world has nothing to teach us when it comes to experiencing uh, the unity we were created for. What we have to look to is, is, is look to God. We need God to speak into our churches. We need God to speak into each of our lives so that we can experience that reunification, that reconciliation that God has purposed for us. So today we're going to continue looking at Paul's words to the church in Corinth, and we're going to glean from this first chapter. We're, we're near the end, and before we jump into it, I want to finish talking through verse 17, because we talked uh, in chapter 1 and verse 17, and we only talked through part A, and so I want to read the entire verse and explain that before we go into verses 18 through 25, which is what we will be studying today. And so Paul speaks and begins to talk about wisdom in verse 17. He said, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So leave this up here. What, what we're starting to see, which will set the tone for verses 18 to 25, is, is God starts to turn things upside down. 
the, the wisdoms of this world are, are actually not the wisdoms of God. And the wisdoms of God tend to be different than the wisdoms of the world. And so we see in verse 17, I want us to listen carefully, what is normally seen as wisdom and power in this world is what is considered wise and is not considered what is wise and powerful to the kingdom of heaven. And so really the upside down is really the right side up, the way of God. And that's something that I believe, uh, if we're not careful, as Christ followers and, and people that, uh, you know, we live and, and we walk and we breathe in the secular world, it is very easy to let the subtle wisdoms of this world seep into how we see and how we connect in God, with God and the decisions we make. So since there are so many voices claiming to have wisdom, and since we all can easily be deceived, no one's exempt from that, I want to ask a question. Where do you find your wisdom? Where do you find your wisdom? Hopefully not just on Jeopardy. Does anyone still like Jeopardy? Do we still have people? Wow, okay, I stand corrected. I, wow, okay. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> okay, so never mind. I'll, I'll, I'm going to write that off for second service, okay? <laughs> All right. Where do you find wisdom uh, about life? Where do you find a wisdom about love, about, about truth, about relationship, uh, about purpose, about identity. You know, the most important matters of, of our human existence. Are, are you finding those, those, those pieces of wisdom in, in a news channel, the latest self-help book, uh, some earthly source? And, you know, we see in the Christian story that, that we have this unshakable knowledge and truth that, that we can count on. And, and Paul helps us see that. He helps us see the big idea of this message, which is God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. We're going to dig into that more, but God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. So let's go ahead and open your Bibles to verses 18 through 25 of chapter 1. We're in 1 Corinthians verse 18 through 25, chapter 1. And the first thing we see, we're challenged to respond to God's word in two ways with that big idea in mind. And the first thing is confess our wise foolishness to the world. We have to confess our wise foolishness, again, wise foolishness to the world. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians verse 18, and we'll be reading the first part through verse 20. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the debater of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So here we have this, this contrast. And the contrast is between worldly wisdom and the cross. And in this section, Paul is pointing out that the cross is not something we can add human wisdom to, right? It's not something we can dress up or color in or add salt and pepper to the grave. It's something that we can't add to to make it more appetizing. Instead, the cross stands in complete opposition to human wisdom. In fact, the cross is considered absolutely irrational when viewed through the lens of human wisdom. I mean, think about this. Let's say uh, someone in here, let's say uh, one of our members, uh, you guys, you are just like very upset at your boss. And the reason you're upset is because you looked at your paycheck and they're paying you too much, right? And so you march in the door, you kick open the door, and, and you say, you know what? I'm sick of you. You need to pay me less. Right? Has anyone done that? Do we have anyone who just kicked open a door and said, I am tired of your generosity. You pay me less or else I'm out of here. Right? It, it's completely irrational. If, if you've done that, if you've done that at any point, maybe it's just because you were helping a friend or you work for a family member. I was thinking, what is a, a scenario where someone demands less? And, and I, could, I couldn't think of any, right? And, and so when you think of the cross, it, it's like you going to your boss and asking for a decrease in pay. It, for, for the world, it's just foolishness. And so when I, when I read the story of the cross, and, and I think about that, and I think about our lives, we as Christ's followers don't beat to the same drum as the world. That's what it comes down to. When it, when it comes to the world, and it comes to the world's wisdom, we don't act upon what the world says. We act upon what we see is the wisdom of God. You think about it. Even just things that, that we know. If someone slaps us, right? Okay, I don't know if anyone's been literally slapped before, but that's one of the biggest acts of disrespect that one could give another person. Like, I'm not going to punch you. I'm not just going to, you know, walk away. I'm going to literally open my hand and slap you, you know? Scripture says you get slapped, you turn the other cheek. If someone's slapping me, testing, one, two, you know, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm joking. I'll your pastor will turn the other cheek. Like, thank you, come again. You know, like, here's the thing. I, that is a tough place to be, right? But Scripture says you get slapped, you, you turn the other cheek. It says, okay, go one mile. What does it say? Go to. See all this? This is, this is idiocy to the world. Are you kidding me? And, and then you even talk about the generosity of the saints. Helping and, and serving locally. Your church. Your community. Nationally. Internationally. And you're like, wait, you gave that much to that cause? Most hospitals were started by Christians. 
investing in these areas. And, and people think, they're like, wait, what? You do that? The world says, hey, if they've hurt you really bad, don't forgive them. They've hurt you to the extreme. Don't forgive. Scripture says that forgiveness is not about them, it's about you. It's about your soul. Forgive as you have been forgiven. You see this? There's so many things that we have in the word that is, that is wisdom of God, but not wisdom of the world. I think about even work ethic. Scripture says, hey, work as to the Lord rather than man. Anyone got some good bosses in here? Yep. Anyone have some questionable bosses in here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. If, they, if they're in this room, don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> well, Scripture says we don't work for them. We work for God rather than man. So Christians, we're supposed to have the best work ethics in the world. We're supposed to be the ones with the highest character. Because we work for God rather than man. We, we, we work and, and we are valued not by man and their affirmations, but by God and knowing that we have not lost our integrity due to the fallen nature of our earthly managers. I always say this. I say this all the time. I, I don't work for Woodside. I, I work for God, and then Woodside, God has called me to Woodside, and Woodside takes care of my earthly needs. I'm called by God, employed by, by Woodside. You see that? I work above and beyond for him rather than man. And so these are things that, that we so often, we, we, just, we, we tend to have these little movements of what we call wisdom. And the reality is uh, our wisdom is not going to come from Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. Could they help us in certain areas that help us financially or business-wise? Maybe, of course. I, I think there is some earthly wisdom there. But ultimately, we don't beat to the drum of Warren Buffett. We beat to the, to the drum of the Word of God. And so I want to give you guys a definition. Because what's wisdom, right? I'm kind of going all around. What is godly wisdom? I want to put it up here for you guys to see. What is godly biblical wisdom? And this is what it is. It is the proficient application of biblical principles to one's life. Anyone, what's proficient? Can someone just, what does that mean? You're good at it, right? You're, you're good at it. So you're good at applying biblical principles to your life. Like when it says love your neighbor, you don't just read it and memorize it. You're actually proficient, exceptional at taking that truth and applying it to your life. You're good when I say, hey, go tell the world. You're, we're not like, woohoo, yeah, I like that, I agree with it. No, we go to the world. And so godly biblical wisdom is proficient application of biblical principles to one's life, resulting from a Godward heart orientation. It, the result is because our heart is the Lord's. We are all in. We love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Even Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. 
Not saying that we're saved by our acts or works. We're only saved by grace through faith. But that's an overflow of a heart that's surrendered to Jesus. It is their life and their throne that they have. It, it's not their own. It's God's. God sits on their throne. This was the kind of wisdom that the Corinthian culture embraced. Rather, when they thought of wisdom, they were, they were mostly concerned with intellectual wisdom. It was a culture where they, they used their knowledge for influence and power. So that area, that region, they loved knowledge. They loved to learn. But they used it with wrong motive. And so wisdom to them was, a, was an instrument of self-centered advancement. Sound familiar? Their, their wisdom and their knowledge what was something they used with ulterior motives. And so when Paul was talking to them and in verse 18, when he says, For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, Paul's pointing out that their speech, their words that belong to earthly wisdom, um, those things are, are nothing compared to the cross. And what wisdom we see with the cross. So we have those who are perishing. We have those who are saved. Those two groups that he distinguishes. And, and it's interesting because he, he talks about the foolishness, right? The foolishness of the cross. It's really just foolish to the world. But to us, it's the power of God. Romans 1.16. Even Paul says this to the church in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What? For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. To the Jews first and also to the Greek. You know, this is something that's interesting. I love bringing back Old Testament and New Testament because a lot of things that are in the New Testament were actually said in the Old Testament. And I love sermons because actually when you, when you have your sermon... Give you a little uh, backstage uh, tour of my life. Usually, when I'm working on my sermon, I have I could have about an hour and a half of content, and then you have to <laughs> arrange. You guys want to have an hour and a half sermon every week? Do we have anyone that like? All right, next week we're starting. Here we go. <laughs> and, and so you got to work, and you got to work down to the the central point. And some things I'm just like, ooh, that's really cool, but it kind of veers away from the text. And some things you're like, you know what, I don't want to lose out on this main point. But in this case, uh, this is already mentioned, Isaiah 29, 14. Um, it, it talks about how God exposed the foolishness of the world. If you go back, it shows that God's intention to destroy human wisdom by the way of the cross, it's always been there. This has been from a long time ago. God already hundreds of years prior spoke on this issue and now he's bringing it to pass. So the original context of the Isaiah passage plays well to Paul's argument here in that the prophet regularly warned Israel not to attempt to match the wit of God. Don't try it. You're going to lose. And, and he sees, Paul clearly sees the Isaiah passage as having been fulfilled in the cross. And, and he sees where this, there's this great reversal of what is wisdom. 
to the world and what's, what's wisdom to man. And, and so I want us to imagine this for a second. Okay? I want us to imagine this for a second. I want us to, everyone close your eyes for a second. I want to read this off so I don't miss anything. Close your eyes and imagine. Imagine if you were up, if it were up to you to decide how God would save the world. What would wisdom look like to you? I think most of us would have chosen a very different plan than the one involving the crucifixion of the Messiah. Wouldn't it make more sense to us to choose something other than a death trap to demonstrate our power, our glory, our royalty, and our goodness in offering salvation to the world? If it was up to me, I think I would have had Jesus come as a king, looking like Thor. With all the fanfare of royalty, riding on a horse, wearing a crown in such a way that the entire world would have known without a doubt, he was the Messiah. The idea that the Messiah would come as a baby in a lowly manger, live a common life, disciple a small amount of people, and then die a criminal's death seems foolish to human wisdom. Who would have dreamed up a story of redemption based on a crucified God-man? Who would have thought that salvation would be brought about in this way? Only God himself. The cross, in fact, is idiocy to human wisdom. Open your eyes. If you think about it, if it was our choice take out everything we knew and know about the crucifixion, we know about the Bible, I don't think that would be our way to save mankind. I think we'd have a completely different story. Like the Corinthian believers, we can get caught up in so-called wisdom of our day and allow the, the world's wisdom to override the wisdom of Jesus. But, but my thing is, how many dead ends do we need to run into to experience what godly wisdom is? We all choose a path, right? We all have taken a road. And my thing is, where is it taking us? What we thought was the wise decision, the best decision, where has it got us? And some of us, we, we would say now on the other end of this, man, I see in hindsight that was terrible wisdom. I should have listened to him. I should have listened to her. I should have listened to the Lord. I should have listened to his word. I should have listened to that sermon. I should have listened to my mentor who are speaking godly truths into our life. And so I go back to that question, where do you find your wisdom? Where have you adopted the wisdom of the current culture into your life? So many have bought into, well, relationships, there's going to be division. You just got to live with it. It's okay uh, to, to not forgive and justify. It's okay to, to be that way or to act that way over the weekend and be at church. It's okay to be at church but be lukewarm, soft, you know, no buy-in, uh, follower of Jesus. And, and in some way, we allow those things to infiltrate our souls and we think they're okay. But this is not the way of Jesus and his gospel because the way of the world is not actually good news. 
So that's why we are called to confess the wise foolishness of this world. I want us to think about that. Where is it in our lives that we got to confess to God, man, I've, I've been leaning on, on worldly wisdom. I've been leaning on, on wisdom of this world to guide my life over the wisdom of God. And so if we have done that and we've confessed our wise foolishness of the world, we also need to profess something. While we come to grips with the foolishness we've embraced, we also need to profess the foolish wisdom of this world. That is our second point that we need to hone in on today, is that we need to profess the foolish wisdom of this world. This is what it says. Let's turn to verse 21 through 25, and this is what it says in 1 Corinthians. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see here, God in his wisdom, has declared that all people, even intellectuals, lack the saving knowledge and wisdom of God. You know, Romans 3, it says, there there are none righteous, there there are none good, no one understands. And, And it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, what he preached, to save those who believe. And so when Paul is saying here that salvation comes through believing what he has been proclaimed, that is, again, foolish to human wisdom. And I think about that contrast again. Jews, they want signs. They want images. They want a Messiah who's going to do some acts that happen like the Exodus. So that's why you see in the New Testament, give us a sign, give us a sign, give us a sign, right? You you hear that on multiple occasions, and it's because they were desperately wanting to to see a leader that had a military campaign to overthrow the military power of the time, which was Rome. In their deception, in their own wisdom, they thought, oh man, God's going to show up like he did with Moses, like he did with Aaron, and goodbye Rome. That's what they wanted so bad. And and so in that, Jesus was saying, and Paul was saying, that that some people, we look for this, we look for that, but that's not where wisdom is. And then again, you have the Greeks, they sought wisdom, you know, so passionate about learning. I already said they love knowledge and understanding, but that's where they found value in their culture their learnedness, they found value. In our culture, it'd be like, okay, it's awesome that we have a degree. It's awesome we have a master's. It's awesome that we have a doctorate. It's awesome that we have this form of education. But, but with them, they wrapped their identity in, in what they knew. And so it's like their identity is more in that title and more than they know than in who they actually are. And so that, in, in turn, became idolatry. They were... They were actually acting in idolatry towards their knowledge. And guys, it's easy for any of us to fall into these traps. 
It's easy for us to fall into, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign, or I'm just going to learn more, learn more, learn more, and that's going to validate me. And so these are things that we all can struggle with when it, when it comes to wisdom. But you think about the gospel. And, and we know, a lot of us know, and we've heard this for many years, some of us recent, but some of us decades. And so we're like, okay, it's not foolishness to me because, you know, it's, it's what I know. To the world, it, it's upside down. To the world, it's not how they think. To us, it's right side up. To them, it's upside down. And there's people in our lives that they're just going to be like, man, you're, you're, that's foolish, that's weird, that's over the top. But to God and his wisdom and to the kingdom, it makes all the sense in the world. That God sent his son to die for you and me. That he would die and cover our sins. But in that time of his life, he would show us and reveal to us how to live. And then now we have this pledge, right? We have his Holy Spirit, almost like a deposit, right? He has his spirit that resides in us who believe. And then we read in his word that nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. And we read in his word that as far as east is from the west, so far our sins sent away. And we read in his word that he is love. That he knows you and he knew you before you were born. And I don't know about people in this room, but if, if you're like me and I'm like you, we probably have shame and guilt at times. <laughs> and, and maybe, you know, a godly conviction, which is good to help grow us. But some of us, we live with that shame and guilt. And it's hard to accept the love of God. It's hard to accept that he would die for me. But it's the wisdom and power of God that he did that. Godly wisdom is giving up on your own wisdom and receiving his wisdom at the cross. So where do you find your wisdom? We find the wisdom of obedience at the cross. We, we find wisdom of selfishness, selflessness at the cross. We find wisdom of grace at the cross. We find wisdom of love at the cross. We find wisdom of humility at the cross. We find wisdom of self-control at the cross. We find wisdom of forgiveness at the cross. We find wisdom of salvation at the cross. We find God at the cross. God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. One of my favorite verses or verses is from Matthew 16 and it says, and Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and then follow me. For whoever would 
want to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen to verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man gain, give in return for his soul? You know, one of my favorite actors is Robin Williams. And um, I know Robin Williams is not the highest character of individual. And what you read about him is actually in his life, it was very dark. And he had gained fame and accolades. And I mean, I, who's better than the genie on Aladdin? And uh, anyone remember the movie Flubber? You know, and Mrs. Doubtfire and uh, the Robin Hood movie, you know. And there's just, there's so many movies that he made and just bringing laughter. But yet in his own soul, guy had emptiness and pain and addiction and depression. And you think about an individual like this who from the outside looks like they just got it figured out. And they have this joy but yet it, it never met what he was truly missing. And I think with us, we might try to gain or obtain things of this world, but what we realize is it leads to emptiness. Double your paycheck, you're not going to be double as happy. <laughs> you know, take away that individual who's causing havoc in your life. It doesn't mean things are going to disappear. We find wisdom in the message across crucified. So where do we find that wisdom? Confess how you've been a wise fool and profess how you've embraced the foolishness and the wisdom of the cross. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.